Welcome to the Odessa First Assembly Podcast. I'm Tony, the Digital Ministry Manager, and I'm thrilled to bring you our latest sermon series, The Spirit-Filled Church. In this series, our lead pastor, Pastor Todd Starnes, takes us on a journey from our previous series, The Spirit-Filled Life, where we explored what it means to be individuals filled with the Holy Spirit, to now focusing on the importance of having a Spirit-Filled Church. Throughout this series, we will delve into various topics that highlight the significance of a Spirit-Filled Church. We'll explore the church as a sanctuary, its impact on the community and culture, as well as the various other topics. Together, we'll learn how to embrace the Holy Spirit's power and guidance as we strive to be become a spirit-filled church, making a difference in our community and beyond. So without further ado, let's jump right into our message from the Spirit-Filled Church series. And Lisa, and so they're looking at me like, huh, what? So they are our July Volunteers of the Month, and so I mean, if you've seen that with y'all, we got a little something for you. And uh, yeah, let's give them a real hand, a real, yeah, we're thankful. That's something we've been doing. Thank you guys for all that you do. And a little, little gift card to treat y'all to something nice on these hot days. And so I also want to thank Ben for, Derek probably didn't realize what was going on, but I was trying to open my communion cup. I don't know, some, some of those little things. <laughs> and I, you know. I was having trouble with mine, and Derek's holding mic and Bible and phone, and I was like, hey, Ben, help, help Derek. So thank you, Ben, for that. And, <laughs> and uh, we, are, we are grateful uh, for uh, Taylor and, and Kelsey. They're making a transition. Taylor's going to law school in San Antonio. And so um, we're grateful for them and the mark they have put on our young people in a short time they've been here, but grateful, so grateful what they've done. Can we just give them a appreciation? And uh, it has been a busy transition time for them. And so we, we pray for them and the Lord's blessing upon them. And um, Anne, uh, Anne-Marie and Brian will be kind of our interim youth leaders uh, for this season. So uh, they've been helping. They helped Chris there right before his transition moving back to Houston. They've been helping Taylor and, and Kelsey. And so uh, they'll be stepping that row for a little while. And so pray for them. Pray for them. We're praying for them for you guys. So, so. so we've been in a series of Spirit-Filled Church. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Acts chapter 2, and that's where we're going to jump in this morning. In Acts chapter 2, we're going to begin reading in verse 42. And just a couple of things from um, last week. Remember last week we talked about how really it's the church that should be shaping our culture and not the culture shaping our church. I believe that the church can make a mark on our cities, our areas. Um, that really bring uh, transformation for the kingdom of God. We also talked about how that the church, I mean, the Lord just doesn't leave us alone to do this, but he empowers us. He anoints us to fulfill this mission that he's given us and that the church that we, as we represent heaven here. 
And everywhere, something I believe very firmly is whenever, you know, Jesus talked a lot about, it's been a while since I preached on this, but Jesus talked a lot about the kingdom of God being near, the kingdom of God being here. And you read that throughout the gospels. And something I know is I, I just believe that when people are saved and healed and delivered and lives are changed, that's, that's the, the, the kingdom of God being established. That's, that's heaven gaining ground on this world. And we are grateful for that. And, but Acts chapter two, we're going to read that in just a moment. Let's pray first. Father, we thank you Lord for this morning. And we just pray once again, that our hearts be good soil, ready to receive your word or that you'd speak to us. And I pray God that you would, even in these dog days of summer, these summer months, Lord, that you do a, a shift in us to be the church that you've called us to be. We pray in Jesus name. Amen. I'm going to start with just a, uh, just, just to warn you, just a little bit of negative uh, this morning. Just kind of lay a little bit of foundation of what I kind of want to move into. But um, according to some research, actually done by Pew Research, 52% of Americans say that churches have a positive effect upon the culture. Now that is down from 59% two years ago. And we're seeing um, people's favorable view of the church really begin to decline. But I, I, I kind of want to interject right there. That is no different what it was like in the first century church. Matter of fact, um, the Roman Empire in the first century, I mean, labeled, I mean, not just Christianity and believers as an occult or weird, but I mean, they, I mean, it was like they were, um, uh, you know, they, I mean, they were just enemies, enemies of, 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 of the state, of, of the Roman government. And today, 3 in 10, 29% say that, 29% of people of America say that churches have a negative impact on the culture. And there's all kinds of reports, Gallup, all, all, all sorts of... Uh, um, a research on this, and, and just a few others I want to point out. 66% of young adults say that regularly, 66% of young adults that attended church regularly as teenagers have stopped attending church because of political disagreement. Not for any other reason, but political disagreement. And I as I was processing this, I, there's really a top five of, of people that are the less likely to come to church. The less likely to come to church, what marks number one is young adults. The second group is unmarried people. The third group is non-Republicans. The fourth group is non-Southerners. And the fifth group is men. And what concerns me really about uh, when I look at this list, I mean, there's something I could pick out from every single one. But listen, I, and, and as, as we see the political season ramping up, and I know I've said this so many times, I'm going to say it again. If we are known over a, as a voting block over our biblical values, and we are being known for the wrong thing. And I, I mean, there's all kinds of things, I think, the way that we could state that. But the reality is, I think the church 
It seems like in so many people's eyes, we see this trending of, of people that see the church as a positive force declining. We see that the people that see the church as a negative force increasing. And the reality is, is that the church, we have our issues. We do. We have our issues. And, and there's a, a reason why they have we issues is because that we're all people. We're all flesh. Perfection has not come yet. And, and I know there's some great churches out there, you know, and I, I know I've probably made this joke way too many times, you know, but I talk about how there's only, you know, the star over the manger, you know, when Jesus was born, there wasn't a star over your hospital when, when you were born. And, and it's the same way with churches, right? There is no perfect church. Something we really try to say here is that we're the perfect church for imperfect people. Why? Because we're all imperfect. And, and there's a reason why people have a negative view of the church. And I think number one is hurt and offense. I'm going to tell you, hurt and offense are always brewing inside of a church. It doesn't matter the size of the church. It doesn't matter the, the health state of the church. It doesn't matter what denomination of the church. I, if there's something I have learned in my entire adult life, there are plenty of reasons in church to get hurt. But you know what? It's no different than any other organization. And some would say, well, that's sad. You know, if I go be a part of Quanas or some other civic group, if I have just as so much as a chance to get hurt in that group as church and why to go to the church, well, the reality is we're all, we're all people. We all have a past. We all, we all mess up. Sometimes we don't get enough sleep. Sometimes we're hangry. And, and it really messes up our filters. I'm going to tell you, you are not going to live this life and not have the opportunity to get offended. And if there is something I have learned, with, I, I really believe with age. I don't know if it's a, a, an emotional maturity or a spiritual maturity. But, I, you know, when I was younger, like when I, I remember when I first youth pastoring in my 20s, I mean, you know, I thought, see, there's, there's a couple of kinds of offense. There's an offense that happens because somebody did it on purpose. And there's offense that people don't realize they offended. And when I was younger, I thought everybody knew that what they were doing. And they, everybody was doing it on purpose. But the older I've gotten, I've realized something. That it's... There, there, so much of it is far more unintentional than intentional. And we as the church, as us as a local church, Odessa First Assembly, listen to me, give grace. The grace that you want, you need to give. Matter of fact, I think there's a scripture that talks about this. It talks about it in Luke chapter 6, verse 38. We use this verse in offerings. But I'm going to tell you, there's nowhere, money is not mentioned in that passage. But what is mentioned, if you want to give judgment and condemnation, then you're going to receive it shaken down, pressed together, and running over. But if you'll give compassion and forgiveness, that's what you get pressed down and running over. And I, you, some of you may be perfect in the room, but I need some compassion and some forgiveness coming towards me. And so when I respond to anybody in any situation, that's how I want to respond is with grace and mercy. I mean, the Bible tells us, Psalm 55, it's not the enemy who taunts me. I could deal with that. 
I can bear that. It's not my foes that insult me. I could have had, I could have hidden from them. But verse 13, it is you, my equal, my companion, my close friend. What good fellowship we once enjoyed and walked together to the house of God. And yes, the way we live life, the way we do community, it sets us up to be hurt. But I'm going to tell you, it's hard to experience love. It's hard to experience what it is to live as a family. It's hard to, it's hard to um, um, live where you know that you're accepted if you don't put your, yourself at risk. The second thing is abuse. Listen, we see it all over the news. And again, it doesn't matter. Big church, small church. I mean, it, it doesn't, it, there's, there's emotional abuse that happens in church. There's sexual abuse that happens in church. Uh, there's all kinds of abuse that happens. And again, uh, listen, we, we live in a fallen world and not all of us are perfect. And, and sadly, yes, that happens. But it's not God's fault. It's not the Lord's fault. It's, it's hurting people that hurt people. And yes, pastors do it. Deacons do it. Leaders do it. Maybe take advantage and, 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 and some kind of manipulation in the position that they hold. But I want you to know something. You know, it's like, uh, maybe, I could, maybe I could put a little, because this is, this is kind of heavy, right? So maybe I can... You know, um, like, I, I don't know about you, but I, I like Whataburger. I, I like Whataburger. That's, I, know I know I usually talk about Mexican food, but I like Whataburger. And I, I will choose Whataburger all day long over In-N-Out. Come on, I'm preaching good. <laughs> See, I'm trying to manipulate a little bit, but I'm preaching good. But I'm gonna, as much as I like Whataburger, I can tell you one place, and I'm sorry this is streamed, but there's one place I won't eat at Whataburger, and that's Big Spring. Amen. <laughs> but I still go to other Whataburgers. You know, I, I've gone to all kinds of restaurants and had bad experiences. It doesn't keep me from going to eating out. Uh, church is not a whole lot of different. <laughs> and I'm not trying to make a light of the bad that happens, but listen to me. There is, a, there is a special thing that can happen in a healthy church where healing happens. And this community comes together. We can be there for one another. We can sharpen each other as iron sharpens iron. There, I mean, God has ordained this thing. Don't let a bad experience, even a painful hurt, keep you away from the family and the house of God. And I, I, I did not mean to spend much time on these three things. I just meant to kind of over them. But the third reason is this. Why people have a bad view of the church is non-biblical views. I mean, we are living in an in a, in a era, in a time, in a culture that is very biblically illiterate. 
But the Bible tells us that all scripture is inspired of God and that it's used for reproof and teaching and, and uh, training in righteousness. And we need to be a biblical people. And that's why we say those things. You know, listen, if you're gonna if you're gonna speak, if you're gonna teach, if you get an impression what you believe from the Lord, it's all gonna line up with scripture. Church should not be personality driven because Jesus is the head of the church. The church does not listen. I, you know, I, I listen. I get well-meaning people all the time, armchair quarterbacks, you know, of, of telling me how I need a pastor. And, and can I just be blunt just for a second? There's only one pastor in this room that's done it for 27 years. And I, I know when you're on the outside looking in, there's a lot of things. Some, I remember when I, when I first started pastoring and I, had, I was an associate pastor and it didn't take me like, it, it probably took me like, it, it, it was like within two weeks. I called my pastor I worked for and I said, Pastor, I'm sorry. I was a dummy. <laughs> I thought I knew how to do your job better than you knew how to do. And now I know I know nothing. But the church does not need a savior. A lot of people think, well, I'll go to that church and I'm going to change everything. Listen, we already have a savior and that's in Jesus. The church should not build its foundation on relevancy. We have a foundation in Jesus. He's our cornerstone. And listen, I believe in using all the tools of the trade. I believe in, and I know sometimes people have a hard time of this, but I'm willing to do absolutely anything within the confounds of scripture just to reach people. And we need to be creative, but listen, it doesn't matter if we have the hottest show in town if people's lives aren't being changed. I mean, growing up in church, I saw a lot that was happening. I, growing up in church, I saw a lot that was boring and a lot that's like, does the Bible really say that? I don't think that's what the Bible says. And listen, if we just live it out like scripture tells us to live it out, I mean, we're, we're living in pretty dangerous ground. I mean, Jesus, there was nothing safe about Jesus. I mean, he's touching the untouchable. He's friending prostitutes and drunks. He's enlisting tax collectors to be in his inner, in his inner circle. Listen, in that time, that was pretty dangerous. But in Acts chapter 2, we see this formation of the church. There's a few things I want to point out, but I want us to look at it. It says, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, and it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship of the breaking of bread and prayers, and all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received food and glad of generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. But here's how I think some of us read this passage. They were devoted to their comfort, preference, happiness, personal goals, dreams, and bucket lists. No one really noticed the Christians because they focused on themselves. Very few of the believers were together, and when they were, they fought about stupid things. 
They sold anything. They used the money to buy something better for themselves. They, ouch. They loved, they claimed to love God, but they didn't even love each other. And so they felt empty, alone, and depressed. As a result, most people disliked them and very, very few lives were changed. But I want to make a declaration this morning of what Odessa First Assembly will be. Is that okay? Amen. Number one, we will be an intensely devoted church. An intensely devoted church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching fellowship, bringing up bread and prayers. And I, I really learned something new. I, I, I never had seen this before. But they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching fellowship, breaking of bread and prayers. Pro, um, proskartario is that word devoted. Proskartario, that's the Greek word for that word devoted. And what it means, it has a very specific meaning. It means to uh, uh, being in a state of relentless pursuit. Being persistent. Listen to this one. Another meaning of it is being and having an obstinate devotion. Now, I know there's no obstinate people in the house, so I mean, they need to clarify that definition. That's being hard-headed. That's being people can't tell you nothing. And so here we have this obstinate devotion to the things of God. Devoted is a relentless pursuit. Church, we need an awakening. We need a, a fresh wind, a fresh fire to have a devotion to the Lord, to have a devotion to, to serving him. What does that mean? Being in a relentless pursuit of the things of God. The psalmist wrote, I press hard after thee, O God. Psalm 63, 8. Church is not something that we go to. Church is not brick and sheetrock. Church is not, is, is not lights and, and atmosphere. We are the church. We are the church. I, I love the We Are Marshall movie. Anybody ever seen the We Are Marshall movie? And I, I think one of the reasons I love it is simply because I love the, the simple chant in the movie. And, and uh, I'm not a, like, I'm not, a, I, I mean, I have my football team I'm a fan of. I'm not like a fan of Marshall, but I love watching their games when they, it's a simple, I mean, the crowd will start going like one side of the stadium and they're in their, like there'll be strips of white and green and white and green. And, and, and one side will start saying, we are, another one says, Marshall, we are Marshall. And I, I don't know this, that, that ownership of identity. I don't know. It just, I mean, you may not be a football people and they get that kind of stuff, but I like that kind of stuff. And man, in the movie, they just portrayed that so well. And I just start thinking, you know what? We are the church. We are the church. And I started thinking, what if we acted like a football game in here? And so if I said, we are, and you said, yeah, we are, we are, man, we may start service like that all the time. Uh, there, where's Kay, is Kaylee here? Is she, come here, Kaylee. I need your help. Didn't she do good singing this morning? She's, she's already turned. She didn't like me right now. So you remember this. You're going to help me because I can't do it right. Yeah. So you ready? So Kaylee's going to teach us something. Are you ready? This is a chant we learned in El Salvador. All right. 
Huh? I got the words even right here for you. You can do it. You can do it. Yeah, just do it. Okay. Do y'all, do y'all, do y'all, those seven albums. You know it. Yeah, come up here. Come on, Michael. Come on, Michael. You can help. Oh, Angel's going to, are you going to come help? Okay. Angel's going to help you. I got the words right there. Do it. Okay, ready? Do it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Do it. Gonna stomp on the devil's head. Gonna heal the sick. We're gonna raise the dead. We're gonna laugh ha ha at the devil's games and cast him out in Jesus' name. Now do it like you feel it. Come on, one more time. One more time. Come on, you can do it. Gonna stomp on the devil's head. Gonna heal the sick. Gonna raise the dead. Gonna laugh ha ha at the devil's games and cast him out in Jesus' name. Woo! Thank y'all. You know, good job. That's good. You know, I started saying, I was like, you know, a lot of churches, they have their little nifty way to open and close service. I don't know, maybe that's when we should start closing service. But the first century Christians, they, they were not casual. They were not comfortable believers. They were not cultural Christians. They were full on, sold out, completely devoted. I mean, being, I mean, if there's one area to be obstinate, it's okay to be obstinate from the Lord. And I started, I was thinking about this church and, and you may not realize, but our church was founded 87 years ago in 1936. And if I have, if I understand right, from what I understand is that the original location of our church is now where it was in the, in the South parking lot of First Baptist. And then sometime in the late forties, we, they moved to this location and we've seen God, I know through the years, I mean, at one time, I don't, I, I think uh, they had their, this church had their 75th it was right before we got here, anniversary. And I think they counted something like this church had put in the ministry at that time, like, I mean, like 40 people in full-time ministry. That's a church doing something. We still are a church doing something. And we're going to raise people up. We're going to see the sick killed. We're going to see people saved. We're going to be the church. We're going to see people set free. We're going to see addicts' lives turn around. We're going to see families healed and mended and put back together. We're not going to see men as the fifth not coming to church. I believe that men need to lead the church. We're going to see revival in our men and our young adults and young people. We are still here. There's thousands of churches that can't say that. But Odessa First Assembly is still here. And so we will be an intensely devoted church. The second thing is this. We'll be an irrationally generous church. Listen, if we are going to be a church, we have to be a giving church. Acts chapter 2, verse 45. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing them the proceeds to all as any had need. And, you know, people come to me sometimes. They're like, Pastor, I, you know, I was listening to this guy teach. And he's saying that 10% and tithing is nowhere in the New Testament. And, and all these kinds are. I hear it all the time. And I say, you know what? I said, that's fine. But then let's look at the biblical model for giving. 
Let's look at the, let's, let's look at the, what the first century church did. They sold everything and gave to one another as need. Now I, listen, I, I'm not the smartest, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, but I, I was, everything to me would be a hundred percent. And any, any smart people in the room, you can help me out. Is that, would that be your definition? I mean, really, I, I'm okay with 10%. Hello? I mean, Acts chapter 4, verse 33. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And grace, and grace was upon them all. And so we we're like, yeah, that's the church. That's the church we want to be. But look at the next verse in the context of this passage. There was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. Now listen, I, I, I don't have a whole lot of time to go into this, but if we are going to be a, a generous church, if we're going to be an irrationally generous church, yes, there are times where it will be sacrifice. There are times that it won't be comfortable. There are times that we'll have to go without of something we were wanting to do. But I have seen that happen over and over and over and over and over again. The windows of heaven opening and the devourer being rebuked. And I've got dreams yet, yeah, you know, and, and like th this remodel we've been trying to do, it's been one of the most difficult things for me because you know what? I'd rather give $100,000 to missions. I would. I really, really would. But I know that if we take care of the house of God, God's going to take care of us. And we may have dreams. I, you, I don't know if you know that. Some of you do. And, and we need to pray that something breaks through. But this building in our parking lot right over here, that's an old daycare. The owners have passed away. And I, I had a relationship with them. And I, I, was, I was trying to get them to donate. It was what I was trying to do. But they both passed away. And, um, but, and now it's locked up in some legal matters. But every time I look over there, I think, man, that could be an ESL training center. That could be a place for living fee classes. That could be a mother's day out. That could, that could be a, a, a help with naturalization for, for immigrants. I mean, I, I can see all kinds of ministry happening there. But I believe if we take care of this house, God will expand the territory. And so years ago, the best way to illustrate this was just from, a, just from a story. There was a man building a house in, in New England, and he needed water. And so he got a guy to come in and dig a well for him. And this well, this digger, this, 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 this well um, digger was, uh, was, was very experienced. He was, he was an older gentleman, and he found the right place. And, and just so happened, this property had a, kind of an underground river um, running through it, and he was able to put that well right next to it and, and plumbed everything in. But um, what the man told him, he says, you have to always draw water from that well. You can never not draw water because you're by a river. You've always got to draw water from that well. So every day, pump water from your well. If you don't, the well's going to dry up. 
And as time went on, the homeowner began to take, you know, this water for granted. And he went on a trip and forgot to get somebody to pump the water out of the ground. And when he got home, the well was dry and he tried everything he could to get water to come out. And so finally he went and found the gentleman and he said, listen, my well has dried up. He said, did you remember to pump water out every day? And the man confessed. He said, I, I just, I was, I went on a trip. I didn't get somebody to do it. And the well digger replied this way. He said, the water in the well comes from an underground river that feeds the small tributaries of water, which your well was connected to. Water must continue to flow through these tributaries or you will to receive the water. If you quit pumping the water out, the ground will dry up and the river can't find its way to the well and it cuts off the water supply. And he said this, Remember, the source of water is the river and not the well. If the source of your financial strength is your own personal well of resources, you risk running dry. There is a difference between the source and the means. Recognizing the difference of the source, it can be tough. But listen, our bank accounts, our abilities, our gifts, our talents, our intellects, are not the source of our provision and blessings. They are the means in which God gives us the source. It is out of his abundance that we are given this thing. And so we take him at his word, we trust him at his word, and know that when we give, as the scripture has told us to give, we're not giving out of our means, but his source. That was a good word. Number three is this. So number one was that we're an intensely devoted church. Number three is an irrationally generous church. And I do want to remind you, to, we're, 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 we are, we're, we're at the, the last stages of planning for carpet and chairs and painting and, and taking care of this house. We need about $20,000 more to take care of a few things. And you guys have done amazing. The testimonies have been amazing. We had 115,000 given in faith promises. We need about 20 more thousand of that to come in. We haven't hit that goal yet, but if we had about 20 more thousand, we can move forward. And I, I, I really believe that if we, when we update this room, it's not like going to make God better. It, it's not going to make the spirit of God stronger, but we want to take care of the house of God. Number three, we will unapologetically share the love of Jesus. I mean, when you read the last part of this passage, what happens? Praising God, having favor with all people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. Now, I, I, this, this fascinating, praising, having favor with all people, that one just kind of always just leaps out at me just a little bit. Having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number daily. Listen, I, I tell people all the time, you know, that uh, uh, we don't have to be, uh, there's a lot of people out there. There's a lot of people in ministry, a lot of churches. It's like they're, you know, they want to be edgy and, and offensive, kind of like for offensive sake. Listen, the gospel is offensive enough on its own. I mean, telling people that without Jesus, <laughs> Without Jesus, you're going to spend eternity in hell. That's pretty offensive. When you're telling people, listen, the way that you're living, the way that you're living is wrong, that's offensive. But the gift of God is eternal life. 
And we have this way to salvation. But what we are going to do, I mean, when you read really, I, you know, a lot of people, we, 1 Corinthians 13 can be used for so many reasons. One, we use, we use it a lot for marriages. But when you really look at the context, you know, love is kind, love is patient. You know, it does all those things. You know, don't be a, 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 a gonging single, symbol. And, and this whole list it gives us. You know what it's really talking about is how we act as a church. Did you know that? That, that's, that's really, it's talking about 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. It's talking about the corporate and, and the ministry that happens within a church. And so we need to share the love of Jesus, not our opinions. Listen, I, 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 I do, I like politics. I like keeping track. I, I like being involved. But listen, my, what I vote ain't going to get somebody saved. And if you have a misguided thought opinion that a Democrat or a Republican or a Green Party or a whoever party or this or that is going to be the answer to our nation, I, I'm a, I hate to be offensive, but you're wrong. I thought I'd get a few more amen. Sorry. Was that a little too soapboxy? Sorry. Sorry. We'll be unapologetically share the love of Jesus. Listen, but here's the reality. More people experience more life change through individuals being the church than going to church. I want you to process that. More people experience more life change through individuals being the church than going to a church. Listen, the multiplication of the kingdom happens through us as individuals, not necessarily through a body of believers come together on a Sunday. What am I saying? Be the church outside the church. Be the church outside the church. We are a faith filled. I want us to be big thinking and, and bet the farm risk takers. I mean, I, and listen, I know, I, I think it is a little bit dangerous to, to kind of move and live your life this way because serving can be addictive. Sharing your faith it can get addictive. Giving, it can, it can be addictive. Community, it can be addictive. Seeing lives change, it, it gets addictive. Being involved in people's lives as their lives are changing, it can be addictive. But it takes us. It takes you and me. It takes who we are outside this church, who we are inside this church. It's the flesh and bone and blood and hearts and minds of us. Not necessarily sheetrock and brick. We are not spiritual consumers. We are spiritual contributors. You know, when I was, when I was a social pastor, I got in trouble one time. I got in trouble a lot of times. But one time I got in trouble because I did an illustrated sermon called Pupitatus. And I did this whole sermon on pupitatus and all kind, what kind of all, all and I, I came, you know, do you remember Bubba Gump shrimp? You know, I, I kind of came up with that with all kinds of potatoes. And I, and, and then I said something and I made a lot of people mad. And I remember what, I don't remember all what I preached, but I remember this statement because I got in trouble. At the, the problem with pupitatus is you risk the chance of getting fried. So. You can email at Angela at Odessaford. <laughs> we are not spiritual consumers. We are spiritual contributors. The church, listen, the church, the church does not exist 
for us. The church does not exist for us. The church is not a place that we go. It's who we are. We are the church. We are the church. And so, yes, I believe that when I look at a, a corporate body of believers, you know, I know they were all in, in different areas and places and battles and victories. And, and, uh, and, and listen, I, I, think, I, I think sometimes we're, we're praying, right? And I mean, I, listen, I, and I've talked about this. I believe that God can do a corporate outpouring in a house that is, is very special. I believe that spirit of God in and the spirit of God upon. I really do. I, the Bible says that the glory of the Lord fills all of the earth. And so if he fills all of the earth, that means he can supercharge the atmosphere in this room. And I believe that and there's something that happens when we come together corporately and we worship and, and, and we do life together and, and, and you know, any two, agreeing on any one thing, it shall be done. You know, he's in the midst where two or three are gathered. I mean, all these promises, yes, they're biblical, they're true, they're accurate. But it's far more than just what happens in this room. It's who we are outside of this room. Who we are away from this address. We are the church. When you're out there, you may be by yourself on a location in a doghouse with some ungodly men. In that moment, you got to remember, I'm the church. You may be at a family reunion and the only one saved in your family. In that moment, you've got to remember, I'm the church. You're part of that body. And when you represent the church in those moments, I think God does something in these moments in this room. You know, the reason why we outreach and we do all what we do and we, in the years past, Dunrock the Pumpkin or VBS, and, and sometimes it didn't always seem quite successful or, or some evangelism event. And I, I just believe in the law of God that you, that you, you, you can only reap where you sow. If you're not sowing the seed, ain't nothing going to grow. I mean, if I go out, if I were to buy, you know, go there and, and, and buy 100 acres and think, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have the best cotton field around. And I get out there, I, have my, all my, I buy my, my half a million dollar tractors. And I go plow that field and then go to the house and turn on Netflix. And that's all that I do. Am I going to grow a harvest? No. What do I got to do? I've got to plant the seed. And then somebody else is going to come along and they're going to, they're going to fertilize that seed. And we work that field. And what happens? God brings in the harvest. A very simple statement. I've said it so many times, but more 80, it's in the 80. I don't remember the exact number, but it's in the 80%. It's like above 85% of the people that come to church come because they were invited by you. I can't even include me in that. Did you know that? Did you know that statistically I could invite a hundred, I could go create relationships and invite a hundred people to church and statistically only six of those would come. 
But if you go out and you invite 100 people, statistically, over 85% will come. To be a spirit-filled church, we're a church that we're passionately devoted. That we give aggressively. And that we, we share the love of Jesus. Would you stand with me this morning? Thanks for tuning in to the Odessa First Assembly podcast. If you enjoyed today's message, be sure to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform so you never miss an episode. You can also follow us on social media for updates and inspirational content throughout the week. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at Odessa First AG. And if you're in the area, we'd love to have you join us in person for our Sunday morning services at 10.30 a.m. You can also catch our live stream on Facebook, YouTube, and Church Online. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time on the Odessa First Assembly Podcast.